Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the My Print Story Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Marshall. And today, Miss Joan Osborne is our guest. You no doubt remember her from her huge hit song, One of Us, that Prince later covered and put on the Emancipation album. We're going to talk to Joan Osborne about her music and about the time she met Prince. First of all, Joan, let me start with your performance in August in Kalamazoo was a blast. We had so much fun at Ribfest. I hope I didn't creep you out by being a big fanboy when you walked up to the stage. <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, that does happen to me every once in a while. So, uh, so no, it did not creep me out. And in fact, I really appreciate it when, you know, people are, are uh, appreciating, uh, appreciative of me and of what I do and when they're not too shy to say something. So... Um, so yes, it's not a problem, and thank you very much for being a fan. Well, see, th- since I'm in radio and I've been doing this since the early '90s, I've I've met everybody, so it's usually not a big deal. But I have a handful of people that I just feel like I connect with. Mm-hmm. There's a singer songwriter by the name of Freddy Johnston that I love. Oh, Freddy! Yes, I know Freddy. Yeah, I'm good friends with him, and he is the songwriting. That guy just—it's like he's writing from my brain, only you know, yes, with sir. talent. You know, uh, there's there's Joan Osborne. Maybe you've heard of her. Uh, the Relish album. I had to buy multiple copies because I played it too much. That is no exaggeration. And then my other person, my number one is Prince. Oh, yes. Well, I'm actually wearing a Prince t-shirt right now, so I'm right there with you. Now, when you and I were talking beside the stage, when Prince came up, you told me the funniest story. A lot of celebrities have these stories about the the strange moments they had when they ran into Prince, but something about yours, I kind of giggled to myself for like the next couple days thinking, I can't tell anybody this story because I'll only mess it up. I have to have Joan tell the story. So will you tell us about the time that you you met Prince. Uh, I absolutely will, yes. Well, you know, Prince had recorded the song, What If God Was One of Us, and he was doing it in his live performances, and he had said some very nice things about me and about the record. Um, so my management company, uh, you know, got a message from him that he was throwing a party in New York City and wanted to know if I wanted to come. So, of course, I couldn't wait, and I'm super thrilled, and I brought some friends, and we went to this party at a club on Booster Street in, in the West Village. Um, and, you know, I walked into this party, and there's all these celebrities and famous people there. Cheryl Crow was there. Lenny Kravitz was there. LL Cool J was there. And, you know, we were just like, wow, this is great. So we just started dancing and dancing. And, you know, the, the DJ was amazing. It might have even been Questlove, you know, spinning records. And so I was just dancing like mad. And when I danced, my face gets kind of red, and, you know, I got a little sweaty, and, uh, you know, I was not, like, looking super polished. Um, so someone came up to me and said, 
Prince is in this room. Would you like to come and say hello and meet him? And I was like, sure. So, you know, I walk into this room, and here's Prince, and he's, you know, he's very diminutive. He's like maybe five feet. And um, and I was all like, you know, sweaty and red-faced and had been dancing like crazy. And, and uh, you know, they usher me into this room, and, and Prince is there, and he's like, hello, I, I really enjoy your music and your record. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to meet you. I just, I just want to give you a big hug. And he just sort of looked at me in all my sweatiness and, and said, well, words can do a lot. <laughs> he was not wanting to get a big sweaty hug from me. So uh, I, I just remembered, and I was like, okay, I get it. I understand, but it's such a thrill to meet you. And I you know, sort of gushed like a you know, ridiculous teenager because he's one of those people for me who is just, I mean, he was just so talented and did so much for you know, music and for the culture, and uh, he just, he's a, a brilliant, brilliant genius person, uh, so I was in, in awe of him, and I still am. You were a fan of Prince way before he recorded One of Us, which, by the way, his cover is just, just incredible. I remember him saying that at the time, One of Us was his favorite song. That's, yeah, I know. That's got to be crazy to hear that. I know, it just, it was, uh, it really was like a dream, you know, like, what could be possibly, it's like I, I had one other moment like that in my career where Patti Smith, who is another one of my, just, I'm completely in awe of her, she's such an amazing artist, and, uh, you know, she really transcends the medium of music and, and is a writer and poet and just this incredible figure, and I have had the good fortune to meet her a number of times, but the the first time that I met her, she said that the song St. Teresa was on constant rotation in, you know, in her mornings, that she would wake up in the morning and listen to St. Teresa every morning. So wow. I, I just did it. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, Patty Smith, A, that she even knows who I am, and B, that she likes one of my songs and wants to listen to it every morning. It just, it was such a thrill. That's incredible. I mean, you've done a lot of work. A lot of people just know you from one of us. Uh, I mean, and for me, the Relish album, I remember that album came out on my birthday in 1995. And at the time, I worked at a Top 40 station where we were just banging one of us on the radio. But it was Right Hand Man was my, my favorite single on the album because your voice is so like... If somehow, I don't know, like Carol King and Aretha Franklin could have a baby, that was you in that song. I love the high energy, graspy thing going on there. Oh my god! See, yeah, well, I was I was going for it. I was really trying to, you know, make it into like a, a very liberating sort of party song, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of about the lyrics are kind of about walking down the street and having this moment where you feel very free and very liberated, and uh, and I just. The, I wanted to put that into my vocal performance, so I'm, I'm happy that you felt that from it. You're an artist It's impossible to, you can't just say, oh, well, Joe Osborne sings this kind of music. When I first heard your voice, I heard, this is my interpretation, but I hear this white girl full of soul, right? I just, I just hear this. I immediately have these assumptions about where your musical influences are coming from. And in my brain, they're all coming from Motown, which isn't totally wrong from what I've read. But, but then I see you doing all these incredible collaborations with 
Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead. And I start to realize there are a lot more layers to what I thought your influences were. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, I certainly listened a lot to radio when I was a kid, and you know, I listened to the rock stations, and I listened to the R&B stations, and, you know, groups like the Shy Lights and the Spinners were some of my favorites when I was growing up, and, and I loved the Who. Um, but I also really, when I started doing music seriously, I got really into roots music, and I guess what would now be termed Americana um, I got really into the blues and I got really into older country music of, you know, Hank Williams and Loretta Lynn and Bill Monroe. Uh, you know, I got really into gospel and soul music and some of my favorite singers are uh, people like Etta James and Otis Redding and Mavis Staples. Mavis um, Staples. Yes. Um, I feel like, you know, all of those things um, really informed what I ended up doing as a singer, and I think they they informed any collaboration that I've done. Because if you know, if you talk about working with a group like the Grateful Dead, I mean, they also incorporate a lot of that, uh, you know, American roots music into what they did. You know, they sort of filtered it through their own particular lens, and so we had kind of a shared um, vocabulary and a, a shared sort of base of kinds of music that we were familiar with, and that made it very easy to communicate and, and to work together. Now, uh, you mentioned Mavis Staples as an influence, but didn't you also work with her? Yes, I did. I got to go on tour with her. We did a double bill. Uh, it was either 2015, uh, yeah, 2015 or 2016, maybe. Um, and uh, it, that was just such a thrill for me to be able to work with her because she's one of my heroes. And you know, they say, don't ever meet your heroes, but that experience really gave the lie to that old saying because not only was she incredibly talented and really has an amazing stage presence that's very welcoming to every person in the audience, and, you know, she doesn't shy away from doing material that could be seen as political, um, but she also has this such a, a, a welcoming attitude to everyone in the audience. No one feels excluded. Everyone feels like they're part of her family. And she was like that off stage as well. So warm, so funny, so great to hang out with in the back of the tour bus and, you know, chat and laugh. So it was really, you know, one of my all-time favorite experiences as a music artist was being able to tour with her. No one's ever said a bad thing about Mavis Staples in the history of the world. That hasn't happened. Yeah. And and her music, it's amazing how she has that soul come out of her that gives you the goosebumps. But she she insists on just being a normal human being, which is not that easy to do when you have all of that. Yeah, well, she's been also in the business since she was... 13 years old, I think. That's when she started singing with her family group and when they started traveling around and doing these gospel performances. So she's lived this very interesting arc of American music and American culture and not just, you know, the musical aspect, but also the historical aspect. You know, her family group sang, uh, you know, for a lot of the civil rights movement uh, demonstrations and a lot of peace demonstrations. She was at the March on Washington where... Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. Uh, you know, they were, were in partnership with Martin Luther King, a lot of the civil rights marches. So, you know, she's been a part of American music and American history for decades. That's incredible. I had no idea. 
when it comes to what you're listening to right now, I'm always curious about when someone like you, you're just driving in your car and you have your iPhone or whatever plugged into your car and you're listening to a playlist. I'm always dying to know what music you're listening to. Like, what are the artists that really speak to you that not not being a student of music, but just enjoying yourself? Who are you listening to? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Um, you know, we get into a lot of uh, podcasts of, and a lot of um books, uh, like audiobooks, when we travel around because, you know, we have to drive these long, long distances. So, you know, I, I do a lot of that. But as far as music goes, um, you know, we recently went to the Staff Museum in Memphis, Tennessee. So that kind of got me back into listening to people like Otis Redding, Carla Thomas, and, uh, you know, that, that sort of uh, era of great you know, singers and writers and Isaac people like that. So, so I've been doing that a little bit. Um, I've been listening to, let's see, there's this woman, Dana, who is an amazing songwriter, uh, and I've met for years and years on the New York City scene, uh, but then I think she moved away, and now I hear of her more through um, going, when I go to Europe, people talk about her, and, and we tend to play some of the same venues over there, so we'll We'll see that, uh, you know, I'll see like a poster on the wall that she was there. A really, really brilliant writer. Um, there's a group called Birds of Chicago that I'm really into. It's like a folk duo, a husband and wife duo. And, you know, beautiful harmonies, beautiful melodies, uh, and also just super lovely, lovely people. And, uh, you know, we've been able to share some bills with them. Um, there is this group that we met in Mexico. And I'm not sure I'm going to get their name right. It's a, They're like a modern um, Mexican group, and they have a lot of influences from everything from, like, 1940 swing music up to, you know, modern stuff. And, you know, gosh, I'm going to forget their name now. And that's Maybe when I remember it, I'll call you back and let you know. But they were just amazing, and the, the female singer was really incredible. And that's kind of... I think that's all I got at the tip of my tongue here. Is there an artist out there, since you've collaborated with, I mean, let's be honest, Bob Dylan, that's like the biggest singer-songwriter ever. Since you've collaborated with some of the biggest people in music, is there still that one artist that you are dying to do music with that you haven't done that yet? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I'm, I've just been so blessed with being able to, you know, as you say, to, to work with some incredible people and, and to be able to collaborate with people that I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that I'd ever share a stage with. So at this point, I'm just like, I, I can't even bring myself to you know, hope or desire something because I've just, I've just been so fortunate and so lucky. So I'm, I'm open to whatever the future might bring. But I don't have a list of like, oh, I got to work with this person or that person, because uh, I just feel like at this point that would be greedy. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I had an interview bucket list and you were on it, so I can check that off for myself. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, one, one last Prince thing before I let you go. I, I noticed on your Instagram that you went to visit Paisley Park, so I wanted to find out what you thought about that. It was really inspiring to me the way that Prince set up his whole world and his whole physical environment so that he could be creative from the minute he woke up in the morning until the minute he went to bed at night, and that every single space in that compound was about focusing him to do more work and to do better work. And that, to me, 
was, you know, I was like, wow, how, how can I do that more in my own home and in my own physical space is to, to make this a space where creation can happen all day, every day. That's a very interesting take I've never considered. I actually do get the feel, I've been there maybe four times, and I do get the feeling like it just makes me want to be a better person, not just like better at being creative, but I see all of these things that Prince was able to accomplish and all these things on display at Paisley Park, and I think, Dana, come on, buddy. (laughs) You can do better with life. Look what this guy did. Yeah, I mean, granted, he was an amazing genius, and I think, you know, in I think in the years to come, people are going to realize that he was on the par with somebody like Mozart, you know, that, to, to have that kind of talent and that kind of uh, creativity and to just to be so good at so many things, you know, I mean, as a guitar player, as a bass player, as a record maker, as a producer, as an artist, he just had so much at his disposal. I, I think people are going to understand more and more about him as as the years go by and, and really appreciate the depth of his artistry as the years go by. Uh, so you don't really necessarily need to compare yourself to somebody like that because, you know, they're an outlier. But if it inspires you to try something and to risk something that you might otherwise be afraid to do, then I think that's amazing. Agreed. Well, Joan, thank you so much for spending time with me. I really appreciate it. I, When I say I love your music, I mean that with capital letters, L-O-V-E. I love your music. You're so welcome, Dana. It's really lovely to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed the By Prince Story podcast. Please rate and leave reviews for this podcast. That will help us get noticed. Also, if you don't mind sharing us on Twitter or Facebook, that wouldn't hurt either. The My Prince Story podcast is recorded in my purple basement in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You can follow us on Twitter at My Prince Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook or just go online, myprincepodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.